Hi everyone and welcome to the Way Your Word podcast where we discuss all things at the intersection of knowledge seeking curiosity, entrepreneurship, and social impact. My name is Jesse Santana and I'm an organizational culture strategist, a wife and mom in a beautiful multicultural family. You might hear some of that because let's face it, life is complicated. Um, but I've actually wanted to start a podcast for a while now. And I think that one of the reasons that I've held myself back is because there comes a lot of vulnerability um, with talking about a lot of the things that I do, which include, you know, identity, um, treating people with respect, (laughs) and having human-to-human interaction that I feel our world has become so divisive that it's really difficult to engage in constructive dialogue with people that you may or may not have anything in common with or disagree with Um, Because it's just become so difficult. We are, I think, at this precipice of, you know, 2020 was a year that for many, you know, we dealt with death, we dealt with economic hardships, we dealt with struggle um, on a scale that I don't think for most of us that we've ever dealt with before, Um, certainly not in my lifetime. And it's not just something that happened to one country, it happened to all of the countries. It was a worldwide epidemic. And I think that a lot of people forget that uh, just because it affected you in a certain way it affected me in a certain way, doesn't mean that it affected others in a worse way or I I don't know if you know, you've been aware of the stock market. Some people may have even benefited from it. Um, But anyways, I think that when you're talking about things that are very near and dear to your heart, sometimes the problem with sharing that Uh, with others and making that a point of you know this is now what I am presenting to the world what I am trying to help people get on the bandwagon with it can sometimes be difficult So I was born in the Dominican Republic to a country boy at heart bank manager by day, a profe by night, and a wisecracking homemaker with the skills of handmade works of art I still find amazing to this day. During the Gulf War, our small island nation met with economic hardships that propelled my family to move to New York, or Nueva York, the gateway for most if not all Dominicans, but it was short-lived. After a few cold winters that my father couldn't stand and our uncomfortable living situation, they decided to move us out west to Las Vegas. 
Now I know you can hear the slot machines in the background, but remember we were children and not quite ready to gamble just yet. After a few years, I headed back to the East to study at Alfred University in upstate New York. Go Saxons! Is that really the mascot? Yes. Yes, it was. And still is. Once I graduated with several degrees under my belt, I had the great misfortune of graduating during the 2009 recession. Go me and every other millennial. So there I was, working at a job I hated, miserable and crying, not because the job was difficult, but because I felt lucky to have a job and felt I couldn't complain. How can you question it when there are so many out there with no jobs? <clears throat> Does that sound familiar? So I did something that most people still consider nuts. I left the country, packed up two suitcases, applied, interviewed, and accepted a job in China in less than a month, and an eight-month contract that would turn into six years of my life and beyond since meeting my husband and relocating back to the U.S., then once again moving abroad, although a lot closer to Canada. So I've done a lot. Worked with startups to nonprofits and everything in between, taught English, did corporate training and development, coached and tutored, wrote blogs, presented at conferences, co-authored a book and a chapter. Nope, that's the wrong way. Co-authored a chapter in a book. Though through it all, I realized one important thing. I left the U.S. looking for connection to myself, but I found it was my ability to connect to the world that allowed me to meet some truly amazing individuals and learn from their perspectives and apply it to myself. From a school teacher in Suzhou, China, to a monk in Bangkok, Thailand, to an ex-military commander that regaled me the stories about a war I'd never see and the struggles of being called in to control protesters in Charlottesville, North Carolina. One of my friends calls me a collector of stories, and I guess I am. But that's really because I love to listen. I love to listen to what others are going through, to let them share without judgment and really listen. I truly believe that the world is so full of noise right now that if we all just listened to each other for a while and paid attention, we'd understand how to go from where we are to where we need to be. And that's a skill that we really should be willing to master. So I wanted to first talk about what is a culture-driven leader? This is someone that doesn't concern themselves with titles or hierarchy but believes the best way to a more equitable and inclusive future is by intentional inclusivity and a focus on doing the hard work that changing systems, processes, and attitudes and behaviors will take. It's no longer the time for band-aid fixes. Employees are demanding accountability, but so are consumers. Now, I don't personally know if I ascribe to cancel culture, but it is a powerful tool and braver people than I aren't afraid to use it to get results. This is a fact. But what happens when a new cycle moves on or people opt out? 
using their privilege to turn down the noise or turn it off completely. You've been here before, but why does it feel so different? What does it? Allyship is also something that is different and new. Well, not new in history, but its expansion has definitely surpassed that what might have been considered a lot in the past. There seems to be a lot more pulling up others behind you instead of believing in the scarcity principle. The fact that there's not enough to go around, so you hoard it, in so many words. There's so many questions around allyship or co-conspirators and why their role is at this precipice. I have these questions. But another point is advocacy which is also a powerful tool. But when do we get tired of always having to validate our existence as people of color? For wherever we land on the intersectional spectrum. So before I go on, I want to make sure you're with me. Intersectionality, a term coined by law professor Kimberly Crenshaw, is the idea that the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender, as they apply to a given individual or group regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Whether it's gender, sexuality, race, class, ethnicity, nationality, ability, and others, in order to have a comprehensive and inclusive lens for the world, we need to understand the parts that make up the whole. I'll give you an example. As a biracial Dominican-American, cis, heterosexual, able-bodied female, there are certain privileges and discriminations all my own. The key in understanding what any of this has to do with you is understanding that whatever identity you ascribe to or intersection of, you should have a voice at the table and be seen at work and in your community. Because whether it's employees or customers, you are not the only one. I will admit it's not easy or perfect, and I'm not the expert because that term assumes a finite knowledge. But like everything in the world we live in, it's ever evolving. So why not join me on the journey? Follow us on Instagram at The Way We Work, or check out the website at www.theway-wework.com If you have any questions on culture, identity, the spectrum of where we fit in, send me an email to thewaywework.official at gmail.com And I'll see you next time. knowledge-seeking curiosity, entrepreneurship, and social impact. We discuss what it means to be a culture-driven leader and how we go from where we are to where we need to be.